Welcome to the Women of the West podcast, exploring trials and bliss of women blazing trails for themselves through the Western way of life. Jen Kangas is a cowgirl from Michigan who packed up the essentials, a few canines, and her past to set off for Utah to build a life for herself. Choosing her battles wisely these days, Jen has just started to live life on her own terms in her 40s. She currently works on a working cattle ranch in Utah that also hosts an acclaimed program to help create lasting and powerful change in teens. Listen in as we talk about past experiences that shaped her, the value of life and death, and just a little bit of magic in between as she and I connect on a variety of intimate topics. If you're looking to be inspired by a positive woman who uses her past to shape and educate herself to live the way she wants in the future, this is the episode for you. Well, Jen, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. It was total like happenstance that I found you on Facebook and I was like, I got to talk to that gal. So I'm Aww. glad we're making it happen. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm honored. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Finnish woman and, um, they say that Finnish women are, we're silent type. We, uh, we don't talk all that much. I'm honored to have somebody that wants to talk to me and have me open up for once because, because of my work, I, I work with people that, you know, they talk about themselves. So this is nice. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good change of pace. I love it. Yes. I guess to dive into it, you want to recap the last four decades in a minute or so? Do you want to tell me about your life? <laughs> okay. I can do that. <laughs> uh, it's scary talking about yourself, especially if I want to go back to the teenage years. And I work with teenagers, so it's difficult to talk about, you know, what I've gone through because I face what they're going through every day. Just family. Oh, my family is a mess. My mother was uh, married five times, twice to my father. Father ended up dying when I was three years old. So I encountered two stepdads in my lifetime, which was difficult in itself. And the first one was a Marine from Vietnam with a short temper. Everything was his way. And then they divorced when I was 13, and my mother promptly um, got involved with another man that was equally as selfish, difficult at 13 to get along with a new man. Mm -hmm. And where uh, did you grow up? I grew up in a little town outside of Detroit. Basically, I started off in Highland and moved to Milford when I was in my, well, I was around 18. Small town, you know, my parents, my mom and my stepdad, uh, Frank, wanted to get me out of, wanted to get us out of the city environment and move to a new suburb, which was up and coming, um, called Highland, Michigan. Bought a house there and I lived there until I was about 18. Mm -hmm. And then moved over to Milford and stayed there off and on until recently. In my 20s, I met up with my husband, who I had met in high school, and we um, married after having our son. He was six years old when we, we married. Cameron was six years old when we married. Mm -hmm. That marriage lasted for seven years. All in all, I was together with my husband for 17. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that was my divorced years and divorced at 34. I came out here to Escalante, Utah in March when COVID was hitting. You know, I, I had thought about it for three years coming out here. Could I get away from my family that was toxic? And I, I just had to. It was, it was time. How did you make that decision? Was it just kind of shown to you and you're like, I got to do it or, or what, what really, you know, what was the straw that broke the camel's back there? I had been living with my mother since 2016 because I had nothing left. I had been involved with a man for five years and we started building our life together and he committed suicide in May, 2016. So I yeah, I had to move back in with my mother and start over again, living with my mom. You know, she's 98-pound woman that chooses to drink two bottles of wine every night, and I never knew what I was going to get in the morning. In February 2019, um, I had a small electrical fire in our home that we shared, and it was just a home. It was an 800-square-foot house. It was over 100 years old, but with it being small, we um experienced, you know, the fire fire department comes in and they put it out and it was in the attic, but it just basically it destroyed the home. So I had to do an insurance claim and redo the house. And with that, you know, I lost some things that I had regained. You know, I handled the insurance claim and my mother didn't like the way I handled things and uh basically said I couldn't come back to the home. So uh, I was living in a rental home and in, that insurance was paying for once that that was up, which was in October, I had to make a decision of what to do next. Mm-hmm. And I tried <laughs> living <laughs> with someone again and it just didn't work. And so the straw that broke the camel's back was just wanting to find myself and live on my own terms for once. That was it. I just, I had to get out and uh, I called my boss up. You know, they had interviewed me in 2016 to come out here. I just called her and I said, do you have any positions available? And with the threat of COVID, some of the older employees had were forced into early retirement or quit because, you know, everyone was unsure of what was going to happen with COVID. So she said, yeah, come on out. Oh, perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah. It was scary, but (laughs) (laughs) everything is. And I think once I voiced the fear of saying, I'm going to do it, I'm going to go. I kind of declared the fear, decided that this was, this was going to be my next step. Mm -hmm. So the hardest was, the family that I was living with, you know, they had really taken me in and me, you know, be, you know, between the time I was left the rental home, you know, to the time that I said, I'm going. It was a good thing. Mm-hmm. Man, Jen, I knew you were going to be a good podcast interviewee, but I did not expect all this. Wow. You've lived yeah. a life, girl. Sometimes it's hard to talk to people because I've been through so much and I've had so much trauma that voicing it, people don't know how to respond. 
Mm-hmm. Dealt with a parent that died early on. Then I dealt with two stepfathers. Then I dealt with my brother dying. Then I dealt with a suicide. Um, and just most recently being pretty much disowned by my mother mm-hmm. over money. It's hard. Um, there's only a few people that can get me and take me, you know, and those <laughs> yes. are the people that, that I hold close, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I mean, it takes all kinds of kinds, but it's so hard to find those people that truly understand or are even capable of understanding. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm thankful <sighs> for the few people that I have in my life that I can call up and say, look, this is what's going on and there's no judgment. And they know in turn, there's no judgment from me. I can talk openly and they can talk openly. Those are the types of relationships that, that, you know, I've thrived for because, you know, family, you can't choose your family. And I hate to say it is so cliche. You can't (laughs) choose your family, but you can definitely choose your friends, you know, and I've got some great ones and good friendships are like, you can feel it when you're in them. They're just completely like sacred, you know? Yeah. 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 And, you know, I have a few, I, one girlfriend in particular, she lives in Oregon. Wow. She, she's been, I've known her since I was 15 years old. So she knows everything that's gone on in my life. And we still maintain this relationship that, you know, it's quality stuff. It's Mm -hmm. not, it's not one of those, you're wearing that, you can't wear that, you know, we are true friends. Mm -hmm. So I'm going out to see her for Thanksgiving, um, which I'm really looking forward to because I need some time. As much as I enjoy it here, I need some time away as well. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Where is she at in Oregon? Uh, she's in, she's just outside of Portland, so she's had some scary stuff this this summer. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So. Mm. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. I don't think I'd want to be anywhere near Portland at the moment. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, well, you know, I'm I'm feeling that feeling. I just got back from California with like one of my, I would say, one of the most sacred people in my life. Like that friendship, that connection, that it's almost like supernatural when you find someone that you click with and you're on the same wavelength and it doesn't suck the life out of you. There's like no better feeling. There's no better feeling. But I'm still, still riding that high for my, (laughs) my trip. Right. Right. (laughs) I I get it. That's what I'm, I'm waiting for that high for my, my trip as well. So I'm thankful, but you know, I hate to talk about COVID because it's just, it's one of those things and it's, you know, scary at the same time. Like we just got, you know, our, our County just lit up with COVID cases. So, you know, mm-hmm. living in a small town, people know where you're going and it's like, okay, I'm going to keep this on the down low. I'm going to Portland, but I know people are going to know. And, you know, I just, I can't let the stop life. And I think too mm-hmm. many people have, and I'm, mm-mm. there's been too many, too many hurdles in my life that have made me stop before. So, 
Yeah, you got the momentum. Yeah, I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And I'm trying to think, Esca, how do you say it? Escalante? I've always said like Escalante, but maybe I've been saying it wrong all these times. All this time. So that's how I originally said it was Escalante, but uh, town, you can tell if you're local if you say it Escalante. That's how it's supposed to be said, Escalante. Yeah, that, that Red Rock country, there's something, there's something magic in that too. My gosh, that is such a beautiful landscape down there. Oh, yes, yes. Um, I'm fortunate enough that my job, we have horses here that I get to ride and take our teenagers out on. Uh, I mountain bike, I hike. Something that I did back home was hiking, but the hiking here is nothing like back home. (laughs) (laughs) Hiking there was, you know, it was, you know, it was beautiful, but it's just so different here. It's, it's scary and, I don't know, calming at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, where there it was more, I just, I just like this, this area and the fact that, you know, come November 15th, I'm not going to see any like hikers and, you know, there's spots, there's spots right now that are just overwhelmed with travelers, but, and that those spots I tend to stay away from, but. Um, the smaller spots that nobody knows about, that's kind of what I've been taking advantage of this fall. Well, and it blows my mind. I was in Bryce, uh, last year and around that area. And it's like, you get more than like three miles away from a main road and there's no one out there. Mm-mm. It, I just no. had this realization. I was like, 90% of our national parks aren't even touched. You know, right. Everybody's at the visitor center and there's all these trails and beautiful views but they didn't make the catalog or whatever and no one is there those are the hikes that i i seek out and you know just getting to know a few locals here and there i'll ask okay so where should i go what should i what should i see and those are the places that you know wow Mm -hmm. blow your mind (laughs) absolutely i'm thinking here i i don't really know how i want to approach this but this is uh something I feel like I need to talk to you about and I'll give you a little background. Okay. The, the, the suicide. Yeah. That is so close to my heart at the moment. Uh, I told you I spent the night at the emergency vet, but I got home and I spent the rest of the night on the phone with my friend. Um, who's just one of those people that you connect with for, no real reason, but they're so special to you. You know, this sounds like, I don't know how to say this without sounding morbid, but like, I feel like I'm mourning him already and he's not gone because his life is in such a horrible place and I can listen and I can be a friend, but I I can't save him from that. And I, you know, you almost have like a sixth sense that they're going to kill themselves, you know, in mm-hmm. the long run. I don't know if that's going to be Tomorrow, I don't know if that's going to be in 60 years from now, but I just spent the night mourning my friend that is still here. (laughs) I get that. I, there's students here, you know, I work at a residential facility and, um, there's students here that I know that they're just not going to make it. Mm -hmm. They're struggling too much now. And this is where they're getting the most help. They have the most. They have the most utilized staff that is 
trained in helping them and they're still not feeling any comfort Mm -hmm. here where they should be getting the most comfort. And you Mm -hmm. just know this one's not going to make it. I just like, I, I I triumph the kids that graduate and I'm like, this one's going to make it. And then other ones, you're just like, there's no helping that student as much as, as much as you think, you know, the structure that we have in place, it's just not going to happen. But Mm -hmm. with my, with Kyle, we uh, had spent five years together. We were in the horses together and ranch sorting together. And everyone, when he died, oh, it's such a tragedy. He was such a good man and this and that and the other. I'm like, you don't know the struggles that this man was going through. And I hate to be selfish or is that selfish? I don't know. But you have no idea. There was a few people there that were, you know, my friend Courtney was there when the couple of times that Kyle had told me he was going to commit suicide, Courtney was right there, right by my side. She was one that I could bring on board and say, I don't know what to do. What do I do? And, you know, she was there guiding me and supporting me. And I think with anybody that is going to commit suicide or you feel is going to do something along those lines, it's, it's helpful to be there talking to them. Like you were saying, you were talking to your friend last night. But it's also equally important to use outside resources, resources I didn't know about that were beyond 911. Mm-hmm. Um, just got to take advantage of those people or, you know, work with those people that will help you. And, and, and that's there for your friend. But that's the anomaly of cowboy culture. I've never met a more fucking depressed, alcoholic group of people who are absolutely miserable and won't say boo, you know? Yeah, this is true. <sighs> this is true. This is, you know, I, one of my roommates, um, here, she's like adamant about, you know, wanting to date a cowboy. And I'm like, why the fuck would you want to do that? You're the most miserable <laughs> bastards. And just, they're, it's not like it is in the movies, honey. She, they're not romantic. They don't put everything aside to, you know, no, no. They'd rather be outside, you know, miles away from town working on fence than watching you ride your your barrel horse. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, and there's, I mean, it's like every crowd. There's the best people you've ever meet. And then there's these, and it goes for cowgirls too. You know, some of the most soured up, you know, I saw this the other day, you know, being like ultra independent is a trauma response. Yeah. And I mean, there's just those, those people in this, a little bit of this culture that says, you know, rub some dirt on it. You're going to be fine. And you can't, you can't take that approach with mental health. You can't. No. As much as, and and that's where I struggle. This, this is a working cattle ranch and we're being sent children that are 
uh, allergic to hay, <laughs> allergic to horses. <laughs> and it's like, it's great. Oh, we have vegetarians here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure you have all kinds and, of kinds. And, and I'm, <laughs> and, and I am like, okay, wear your mask. And then, of course, we have to stick with our, you know, our, because we are, you know, state certified and, you know, the state watches what we do. I have to call the nurse and say, you know, this kid's allergic to horses and here's a Benadryl, <laughs> you know, and, and I am sort of to the point where, like you were saying, you know, trauma breeds independence. I've gotten that way. I don't fear, you know, oh, I fell down. I, that's going to hurt tomorrow and I'm not preparing it. I just wake up and, oh, shoot, I'm sore. Oh, yeah, I fell yesterday. And then we've got these <laughs> these kids that need a Band-Aid for a splinter. And I'm like, no, you don't. Give me it. Take my knife out. Dig it out. <laughs> 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 it's so bizarre because, like, like I said, I came out here to be independent and be by myself. And almost like the program is working me as well mm -hmm. be because I've gone through so much, uh -huh. you know. And I have a lot to say to these kids, like, look, just because your best friend committed suicide does not mean you can't go on because you can. And I think these kids just get so caught up in this happened to me. I can't move on. You mm -hmm. have to. What was that process like for you when Kyle died? Ooh, that was a tough one. Uh, <laughs> you know, he had said to me before you know i talked him out of it three times i never thought that he would do it but the process you know when we were together i, I didn't realize but he was controlling me he was really controlling me he knew mm -hmm. i wanted to leave he knew i wanted to get out of the relationship and my girlfriend had said you know this is kyle's last way of controlling you mm -hmm. you know so processing it after he left was a tandem of not letting it control me, fighting his parents because his parents blamed me. <laughs> yeah. Suicide for me is a is a difficult one to talk about and to let people know I've gone through. Because like I said, it's like you say something and people don't have a response. So for me, I I don't talk about it a lot. You know, we, we've had suicide trainings my at my work and I've flown through, you know, questions like, you know, what, what age group is the most likely to commit suicide? And, you know, it's just, I'm answering every question correctly. And then afterwards, my director pulled me aside. She's like, what's going on? You know, and I'm holding back tears and I'm like yeah this happened to me in 2019 and you know well why didn't you tell me it's not something you openly talk about and tell people <laughs> no especially like I said being a Finnish woman we kind of just keep things bottled up and <laughs> don't talk about things yeah we like we like to be silent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something nobody talks about beforehand, you know, or it is such a sensitive topic. And 
then there's no greater tragedy when it happens. No. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, I feel so bad for his parents, his mother. I don't think you can ever recover from that. Like I said, they blame me. They still blame me. They don't talk to me. It's it's hard because, unfortunately, I have a lot of those people in my life that things have happened and unfolded to the point where I'm just like, I, I just can't. Mm-hmm. You know, the stuff with my mother and the stuff that happened with the fire and she's recently been reaching out to me. I don't know if she wants to rekindle the relationship and I'm just like, I don't know if I can do it. I'm so bruised and so struggling with that. It's her birthday today and she's, yesterday she called me five times and I didn't pick up. Mm-hmm. I haven't talked to her since over a year ago. Yeah. I think sometimes, you know, it's like, I just can't, but there's freedom in realizing you don't have to either. No. No. <laughs> as fucked and up as that sounds, you don't have to, you know? Exactly. And, you know, my my work, I these kids come in and they're 17 years old and their parents put them here and for some reason or another and I hate my parents and, well, you have to go through this until you're 18. When you're 18, you can set yourself out in a, su- a successful life or one that has a criminal record. What do you want to do? Kids get so caught up in right now that they forget about what's going on in the future and how they can have a better life. You know, mm-hmm. with me having as many different men in my life from my my childhood and in my teenage years, I didn't have the success of of parent presenting a platform in which the best road to take. My mom chose not to be in my life. She's like, it was like I wasn't even there. Mm-hmm. So I had to figure things out the hard way. And I always relate back to the kids saying, you can do things the hard way or you can do them the easy way. And your parents are setting you up for a successful future by giving you the support system that you have here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a hundred day program and the parents are paying I think upwards of $40,000 per kit per student to be here. Mm-hmm. You know, do it. Take advantage <laughs> of it. You know, go forward. Yeah. yeah. Many of us don't, don't have that support system. Well, and you say that, you know, trying to choose, choose a better life for themselves, but some of them don't even know it, you know, they couldn't, Mm-mm tell you if it was on the left or the right, if they knew it because they've never, never experienced it. No, no, they just get caught up in this world of being on the internet all the time. You know, you get them out here and you start throwing hay bales with them and get them on a horse, something they've never even come close to. And I don't know, something happens to most of them. Some of them, Like I said, some of them, you're like, that one's not going to make it. I always knew that this was the spot for me. You know, I was, you know, my son even said, mom, that's your dream job. You know, you work Uh with, you know, I'd gone from working with special needs kids. You know, I'd done that when I was married. I, um, I just enjoy kids in general and to have horses and kids and cattle put together. (laughs) I was like, okay. 
And the thing that kept me from coming for so long, and it's so stupid, was financial financial hardship of it. You know, I took a big mm-hmm. pay cut to come here. I was working, you know, at in phlebotomy, which I don't know if you know what that is, but it was uh, healthcare. I was putting IVs in people every day and taking blood from people that didn't want <laughs> blood taken from them <laughs> at the University of Michigan Hospital. And I'd been doing that and just very unhappy because people were just getting crazier and crazier. Mm-hmm. So coming out here and having my dream, dream job and being in an environment where at least walking down the street, I know who's crazy and who's not. Because <laughs> there's just so few people here that, you know, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. um, it's it's very, it's comforting. I like it. Well, and that's, so I felt like a total creeper because uh, you and I met on a Facebook group. And I saw like one of your first posts about you gearing up to go out to Utah. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be good. Like I'm, I'm here for it. I want to see what this gal does, you know, cause I could yeah. just tell how firstly, how determined you are, were and are, but I could also tell that you were just like done, you know, like the way that you wrote and stuff. I was like, man, she's closing a chapter and she's closing it hard. It's been like so. I don't know. That's the power of the internet. You feel like you know somebody and you don't, but it's been so cool to see that, you know, and you and I are Facebook friends now. So we see each other's posts and stuff, but I mean, every time I see something, I'm like, yeah, go girl. Like she's, she's doing what she wants to do. Yeah. I, I appreciate that so much. It (laughs) It was, it was, I was closing it hard and you know, every day I wake up, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do today? I don't have, you know, I don't have my day mapped out for me by somebody else. It's now me doing things, you know. If I make it up to the post office, wow, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But then I also have the ability to go to work and totally throw myself in there because I don't have this outside tension and dramas and stuff that was going on at in Michigan, you know, weighing me down, you know, most recently just supervising and and managing rebuilding a home, you know, from the fire, you know, Uh before that was always, I was always worried about Kyle and what his day was progressing like, whether it was good or bad, you know, Uh and my marriage before that was, I, that was, you know, I was never good enough. You know, the last straw for my marriage was my husband telling me that I wasn't a good mother. I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, I lived and breathed every day for my husband and my my son. Mm-hmm. With the exception of having a horse boarded, you know, that I could go out and see. That was that was my life. Mm hmm. So for me to be able to get up in the morning and say, I can throw myself totally into work today. I don't have to worry about judgment of any sort or resentment or guilt for not being there Mm -hmm. for somebody else rather than myself. It's amazing. And I'm 
grateful for it. I'm grateful I finally have that ability to be at peace with myself. So every day I push myself to do something different. Um, I learned to rope the other day. I had never roped before. I didn't think I could. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, as much as a cowgirl as I am, I'm a... (laughs) I'm a Midwestern cowgirl, so things were done differently. I learned horses when I was about eight, watching my sister, you know, who got lessons. And then I started having lessons, jumping horses. And then I got into the Western riding and I trail rided all over Michigan. And mm-hmm. um, then I started cow sorting right before Kyle died. That's what we were doing. And I was very active in it. And it's different there than it was here. <laughs> we actually don't have cow sorting events here. We uh, more or less do roping events here. So mm-hmm. I said, you know, by next spring, I want to be roping. I want to mm-hmm. be on a horse roping. So that's a good goal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, funny how, Similar things are through the Western world and the horse world and whatever you want to call it, you know, throughout the states and the world, but it's so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I mean, but that's almost kind of what pushed me out here was that I saw other girls doing more bigger things than I was doing, mm-hmm. you know, as in going out to the desert and gathering up cows. I'm like, I want to do that. Uh huh. You know, I don't want to just be here in Michigan chasing cows around that have been chased around 30 other nights this, (laughs) you know, this month. (laughs) I want to get some of the wild ones, you know, and I, I just, I wanted to do something before I'm not here any longer. Mm hmm. So, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I think, Everybody talks about it, but few are brave enough to do it. Like you were saying with all my Facebook stuff, you know, I have people that say, oh my gosh, you, you know, and of course Facebook represents the best and the best of you. But Mm -hmm. to hear people say, you know, wow, the West really looks good on you. You know, I feel that. Mm -hmm. So. I was supposed to come out here as much as I love a deep lake. (laughs) (laughs) There's one that's three hours away from me. So, which I got to enjoy a couple times this summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it, uh, it's funny where life calls you, but there's always, you know, there's there's such a purpose to every season that we have to figure out as we go. Right. And like I was saying, when I first got here, I, you know, everyone was has stuff. They need to bring their stuff. They need this. They need that. You know, Michigan, it's such a thing to have the biggest house, to have mm-hmm. the most cars, you know, and you have all these auto workers that are going to work to pay for those things, you know, and they're working in the factory floors. That's mm-hmm. not for me. You know, and, and for me, stuff, it's been taken away from me so many times that I'm like, I don't care. You know, when I lost Kyle, 
you know, his parents went in and took all of my stuff from my house because Mm. that was a house that he and I shared together. They even took things like my son's photos with Santa, you know, and that's the stuff that I miss, you know, please give me that back. You know, those, I want to see my three-year-old with Santa Claus. Why do you need to keep that? Um, that's the stuff that matters. But when I got here, um, in early March, um, it wasn't but a couple weeks after that a lady in town passed away from cancer and because of COVID reasons, they couldn't donate her things. So there was a house full of stuff that needed a new home. And my roommates and I went over and got her new dishes. Mm-hmm. I, my, my bed that I sleep in was hers. <laughs> um, you know, it's like you, you lose stuff, but there's always more right around the corner, you know? Well, yeah. And, and it's, I don't know. I think being out West and being even outside, you realize how little stuff you really need. Right. You know, there's stuff you want, but stuff you need right yeah yeah and i and i i'm it's 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 a different way of life for sure as like i said in michigan it's like oh you got the newest bag oh that's great you know i never played by those rules anyways but you know when i walked into the local pub or whatever with my cowboy hat on you know i call them the milford moms because that's where i live was milford and you had these individuals that were snobby in their yoga pants and ugg boots and it was like not a place for me anymore i'd walk in there with my cowboy hat on like what's this girl think she's a cowboy she thinks she's a cowgirl you know but here I love it. I can wear it. <laughs> you yeah. Know, it's, it was stuff that I was meant to be in jeans and t-shirts and my, my NRA cowboy hat that I've had, you know, I never wore it there. So it's like brand new, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. people are mess- much less judgmental about like how you look mm-hmm. out here. Absolutely. Yep. Man, I'm like not, you know, we don't out West and, and not even West, but like rural communities. Like if you have the latest and greatest, nobody really gives a shit about that. But like, if you have Mm-mm. something that's like special and unique, people like flock around it, you know, like, Oh yeah. Not, yeah. But like, it's gotta be cool shit, you know, like something that has historical value or, or sentimental value. People are like, Oh my God, that's so cool. Anything handmade, too. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking that, like, I don't own any pairs of, of earrings anymore that somebody didn't create. And I may only own two pairs of earrings, three pairs of earrings, but they're all, somebody put their, their love into it. Yeah. And I, I love that, too, because I'm <laughs> the same way. I'm like, okay, I got this. Or I like to go, like, we have a, we have a resale shop in town, and I love to you know, rehome things rather than 
buy new, you know, mm-hmm. I was, and before you called, I was, I was actually online. Like, I'm like, I need some new winter boots cause I don't have any. And I'm like, should I order these? They're a little bit pricey or should I just wait till the resale store opens back up and hope for the best? <laughs> and, and I'm like, okay, that's a little risky because we're supposed to have snow next week. <laughs> 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 I went through my winter things yesterday and I was pleasantly surprised that I did bring wool socks out because I basically, I didn't open my winter things I had brought. So uh-huh. yesterday was the day of the un- unveiling of what I did choose to bring in, what I didn't. So. <laughs> so I could be good for a couple of weeks anyways. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Michigan winners and Utah winners are a little bit different. I I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Uh, so, cause we're in the desert, you know, we're in Southeastern Utah, which, you know, it's, if I drive 16 months, 16 miles North, I'm in the mountains. Where mm-hmm. I'm at, I'm in the canyon, uh-huh. and just below me is the desert. So, we're from what I'm hearing, it could go either way. We <laughs> could have a lot of snow, or we could have no snow, mm-hmm. which is kind of similar to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have that much snow last year when I was there. Um, we had a big boatload of it in October and then nothing at Christmas time. So I I don't know if they're going to be different or they're going to be similar. Talk to me at the end of the winter, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I would like to give Jen a big thank you for agreeing to this interview and bearing her heart for us to hear and learn from. I am always so humbled by my guests for allowing me to help pass their stories on for others to enjoy and find solace in. For a quiet Finnish woman, she sure hit a lot of emotions on the spot with her words. As always, thank you for listening to and supporting the Women of the West podcast.